I want to just take a moment. I want to thank everyone that has helped me this morning. Joe Sadowski and, and the, our worship team. Praise God for them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For Katie and Kenny and, and Mario for just helping keeping all this running smoothly. And I just thank them for that. And I want to thank each and every one of you that you've decided today that this is the day that the Lord has made and you will rejoice in it. So I thank God that you're here, and I know that he's going to reward you deeply and richly this morning. Praise God. Uh, We are starting a new series uh, that is called The Greatness of God. And uh, so I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you think about, if you was to think right now, let's take a moment and just think of God. What are some things about God that fills your mind? All-knowing, great healer, amazing, love, goodness, faithful, amen, knows everything about me, but loves me anyways, amen, yes, yes. Amen. So his forgiveness is relentless. I like that. It's all pursuing. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. Long suffering. Yes. Full of grace. These are all attributes of God. These are who he is. These are his characteristics. This is what consists in that God is. So this is what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. And we can stay here until the return of Christ and not be able to tell of all the greatness of God. So, I, uh, when, amen. When Pastor asked me to, uh, to preach this morning, um, I looked through some of the uh, characteristics and attributes of God, and the one that I, that popped out to me was faithfulness. So this morning, that is what I'm going to talk about, and of course it would not be exhaustive, Because, again, I cannot tell everything of his faithfulness. But um, I'm going to do a little bit of a teaching, preaching style this morning. So if you like teaching, praise God, you're going to like this. If you like preaching, you're going to like that. If you don't like teaching and preaching, see me after church. We will lay hands on you and get you saved. So, all right. Amen. Okay. So to begin... uh, To even begin to know God and to believe in God, the Bible even tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And I am going to have several scriptures, so if you want to take notes this morning, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Hebrews 11, 6, it says that first of all, we must believe that there even is a God. That um, there's faith that, that God has put in each and every one of us. We are created in his likeness. We are created in his image. And he has given each of us a measure of faith. And that measure of faith also is primarily to believe in him. So Hebrews eleven six says that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is, that he is God. And that he is a rewarder 
of those that diligently seek him. So we see you have to have faith to believe in God. You have to believe that God is. And also through your faith and believing in him, that he is a rewarder of you searching after him. That's the greatness of God. He's going to reward you just for seeking him and believing in him and having faith to come to him and believe that he is God. Now, this is where I'm going to lay a foundation. So just, it's not going to go too deep, but just bear with me because this is all going to tie in together. Okay. There is a word that is called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics, I'm going to have this put up here, is the science of interpretation, especially of scripture. So when you are studying the Bible, there is a science per se or there is a way to properly um, divide the scriptures. So, the Bible backs up this teaching and this uh, word hermeneutics in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The reason that there is so many false teachings out there, the reason there are so many false religions out there today is because people do not know how to properly interpret scripture. Scripture does not contradict itself, but scripture always approves itself. It always illuminates itself. It always reveals itself. Um, God is not an author of confusion, but he is a God of order. So his word is order. And so when you come to a place in the Bible that you think that it isn't a contradiction, that is when you need to seek and to pray for him to, act, to reveal to you the rightly division of the word. It will come together. All right? So, in the teaching of hermeneutics, there is what is called a first mention principle. Okay? First mention principle is this. That principle by which the interpretation of any verse is aided by considering the first time its subject appears in Scripture. Now, I have examples to show you this. So, the first we see is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the very first five words of the Bible is giving you a idea and giving you a first mention principle that there is a God. He was from the beginning. So it gives you location. It gives you the introduction to a God, to a spiritual being. It also gives you within that of, the God, of this God that he is a creator, that he creates. So this is the first time that you are seeing and you are reading of God. He is the subject in Genesis 1.1. So you see he was from the beginning and you see that he creates. If you read on through, you will see in verses 3, it says, And God said, God said, let there be light. So we see that he is a speaking God. We see that his word that he speaks has power. And through him speaking his word and the power behind it, that it also creates. So again, here we are seeing a fulfillment of this that he 
is a creator, that he creates, and that his word accomplishes what he speaks it to do. He spoke, let there be light. The result was there was life. You read on through Genesis 1, and you see as he begins to unfold the majesties and the wonders of the earth, that everything that he creates of the heavens and the earth, of the, um, of the uh, animals, of everything, the seeds, the vegetation, everything that he creates afterwards, he says, it is good. When it comes to mankind, also after he creates mankind, he also says, it is good. So any time that the enemy comes against you and tries to put you down and condemn you and say that you are worthless, that you don't add up to nothing, that you never will be anything, know that this is not the words of your creator, but this is the words of your enemy. Which brings me to the first mentioned principle of Satan, of the devil, of Lucifer. So we see, according to this principle, that God is a creator, he's from the beginning, and that he, everything he creates and speaks over is good. Would you agree as you read through the Bible that that has proven to be true? And in your life. Amen. So when we see the first time of Satan mentioned, or Lucifer, we see in Genesis chapter 1, I'm sorry, in chapter 3, and verse 1. And we see it says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. I'm going to stop right there because now we are two chapters over from Genesis chapter 1, and still that principle still remains of God that he creates. Do you see that? That Satan, even though that he is subtle and crafty, he's still over all the beasts that God had made. So God's still creating. So this is the first thing that we see of the devil, that he's crafty, That he's subtle. This is our very first introduction of him. And then what he tries to do, and in this he does succeed, he says this to the woman. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? From the very beginning of time, Satan has tried to twist the word of God to humanity. He has tried to get us to doubt that God's word is true, that he is faithful to what he's promised. And throughout the whole Bible, we will see that this continues of our enemy. Jesus even said that he was, he's the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning and he continues. If you think of some of the things that are revealed about Satan or, um, that refer to him is a dragon, a serpent, scorpions, um, Things that have brought corruption and decay and things that are immoral. These are all what characterize is Satan. And it is continued throughout the scripture. So, even when he appeared to Jesus, and he tried to even get Jesus to say, and he came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God. See, this is what the enemy tries to do to you today. Are you really healed? Did God really say that you're healed? Are you really saved? Did he really deliver you? Have you really overcome your addiction? Are you really, do you really have victory? What we need to do as the body of Christ and as believers is the same thing that Jesus said. 
It is written. It is written that I am more than a conqueror. It is written that his spirit gives me power to rise above. It is written that I am no longer held captive by sin, but I am set free from the blood of Jesus Christ. It is written that everywhere that I place my foot will be blessed. That he blesses me coming in and he blesses me going out. It is written. It is written. This is why it's important for us to get into the word of God. It is your sword for when the enemy comes comes against you with his false beliefs and teachings and doubts of God that you have something to hold on to and to say devil it is written I am a child of the most high God he is alive his word is truth and I am alive and through him and I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ this is why it's important for us to believe So I wanted to lay this down to show that God remains the same from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1-1 until you come to Revelation 22. He is the same God. So I wanted you to get that. So these scriptures that I give you today will also show proof that he is faithful to anything in your life that he's promised you. I've had many people, and even myself, that I know that God has made me a promise. He has spoken it to me, and he says, I will fulfill it. And after years, 5, 10, 15 years, we can begin to doubt. And the enemy can come in and try to get us to doubt. But we need to remain faithful to the word of God. We need to place our faith in his faithfulness. When you feel like your faith is wavering, don't put your faith in yourself, but you put into the one that is faithful. And that is Jesus Christ. That is your heavenly father, that his word remains faithful. Hallelujah. Psalms 145, 13 says, the Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. He always keeps his promises. Why is that? Because he cannot deny himself. He has his own word to back up. Let me ask some of our, I'm going to say this, mature adults in here. Oh my. (laughs) When you were growing up, because I remember my grandfather saying this. I even remember my dad saying this. That your word meant something. Do you remember that? That if you was even borrowing or, or making a, a, a deal and you said, hey, I promise, you know, I'll, I'll bring the money next week. You shake on it. Your word meant something. Well, over time, we found out that words are cheap. So we can also get this mindset that if you've been betrayed by somebody's words or you've been betrayed by somebody being unfaithful to you in a relationship or marriage or whatever in your life, that we can also let this come into God, into our mind and our belief of God. And that is not true. God swears by himself because he can. We don't have the power to do that because we, even our hearts, are corrupt and are not faithful. They're not even faithful to yourself sometimes. Okay? So, this is, this is a... This is what the enemy tries to come in. I love this one in Jeremiah 1.12. It says, um, Then said Jehovah unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I watch over my word to perform it. He watches over his word that it comes to completion. The Bible also says that his word will not return void to where he sent it, 
but it will accomplish what he sends it to. We see that in the living word, Jesus Christ, that he sent Jesus Christ into this world. And what I ask you, did Jesus return to the Father void, or did he accomplish what he was set to do? He accomplished it. So he was the accomplished word of God. All right? So God backs up his word. So let me continue. So if we have, I have the definition. If you're thinking, well, what is faithfulness? What is really the definition of faithfulness or faithful? Well, I have that as well. So one of the things that it says is that it is strict or thorough in the performance of duty. Strict or thorough in the performance of duty. Would you agree that that speaks of God? Amen? Amen. True to one's word, promises, or vow. Would you say that that speaks of God? Steady in allegiance or affection. Loyal and constant. Does that speak of God? Is God reliable? Does he adhere to his truth to fact? Or a standard or an original? And is he accurate? This definition alone here speaks of God. So when you come to the word faithful in the dictionary, here it is, that's God. All those things, that's the definition of faithful. That is what God is. That is who God is. So let me go on. And these are some of the things that I want for you to write down if you're taking notes. I'm going to show you in scripture different areas that God is faithful. Okay. So one, he alone is faithful. We see in second Corinthians one eighteen. but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no, meaning that, that you did not waver. When you speak something and you're faithful and you back up your word, it shouldn't waver. Well, it might, that. I might come tomorrow. I don't know. No, it should be yes or no. Yes, I'll make it. No, I won't. I see this all the time when you invite people to church. Hey, we'd love to have you come to church. You're going to be, oh yeah, I'll be there. They're not there. So it's like, what happened? So I know things come up, but really when you ask someone if they have in your mind, or even I'm saying to you, if you already have in your mind, I'm not going to go. Just say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. I can't make it. Okay, instead of putting that false hope or faith in your word, and then that person's going to think, well, they promised me that they're going to be here, and they're not. So that goes against your, your character, and that goes against your integrity. And it also goes against God, because if you're claiming to be a Christian, and God's faithful, and God backs up his word, and you're supposed to be a child of his, why don't you back up yours? Okay? So... Uh, we see in Romans 3 and verses 2, for, uh, 2 through 4. For what if we did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. His word backs up himself. If somebody comes against you 
with something that is not sitting right, a teaching about God, a teaching about his doctrine, or a teaching about who he is, and it's not sitting right with your spirit, then it could be that is a false teaching. Because let let God be true and let every man be a liar. Well, they're backing up with scripture. Have they divided the scripture correctly? Because you can make anything out of a scripture. When it's taken out of context, you've got to place it together. Does God play cat and mouse with us that he doesn't want to reveal him? No, he doesn't. But God wants us to draw close to him. And through us drawing close to him, he begins to reveal more about himself to us. Let me ask you this. Do you reveal everything about you to someone that you first meet? No, you don't. You would be non-intelligent, to put it lightly. (laughs) If you would do that. So I was saying that I had another word, but I wasn't going to use that. So God also wants us to get to know him. He's a personal God. He wants us to seek after him. He wants us to take that time to build our relationship with him. And as we do, he begins to reveal more and more about himself. Now, how many in here has a best friend? You have a best friend. Have you revealed deep personal things with that friend that you've not shared with anybody else? Yes. Why is that? Because they have showed faithful to your your loyalty, to the things that you've shared. They've showed faithful that they're not going to break that trust. God's the same way. All right? So let me go on. Next, so God alone, that was the first one, is faithful. God is faithful through our temptation. When we are tempted, wait a minute, I I don't know if I'm getting that. Yes. Even when you are tempted, even when the enemy tries to come against you and pull up your past. Well, I remember when you used to go out and you used to be this way and you used to... You used to like to get a little bit loose once in a while. And you like to do kind of this kind of things. And he would try to come against us. And sometimes those, our old enemy, our old flesh, our own humanity that has been crucified will sometimes try to raise itself back up. But God even says in his word that even through our temptation, he is faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says this. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. Do you get that? Let me stop right here and give you a little enlightenment. Do you know that there's only three tools that the enemy tempts us with? What? Yeah, here they are. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The same thing he tempted Eve with, the same thing he tempted Christ with, and the same thing he tempts you with. That's all he got. Okay? 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So I'm going to say this, and I'm speaking to myself. When we are led into temptation or to sin, we are carried there because there's something in us that desires that. If it's lusting after a woman, if it's lusting after a man, if there's, it's something in you that carries you away into that sin. So the Bible tells us, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of Satan's devices when he comes against you. It's the same that he's tried from the very beginning of time. So God's telling us, it's time for us to get enlightened, 
to get a little bit more smart here because he's going to come at you the same way. I know there's times I'm tempted. It's the same thing that he tempts me with. And I think you're such an idiot. Why do you give in to that? It's the same thing. But that's what he tells us. Don't be ignorant. Get into the word. Know what the word says. Know the strategies of Satan and how he comes against you and back it up with every word. That's all Jesus did. Do you know that? Jesus could have sent angels down to to destroy Satan. No, it is written. He was being our example to say to you today, Joe, all you have to do is when you're, it is written. Jay, it is written. Travis, it is written. That's it. That's all we have to do is when we are tempted, it's just pick up the word, know the word, and memorize the word, and when he comes at you, it is written. He was our perfect example. Let me go on. So even through your temptation, oh, let me, so it says he is faithful. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. So don't think you're the only one going through it, okay? Guarantee somebody else has went through or is going through what you've been through or going through now, okay? But he is, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, In the middle of your temptation, God has not left you. He's still faithful in the middle. When you're going through it, when you're battling the battle of of the flesh and the spirit, God's remaining faithful. Look for the exit because he's provided for you. That he's providing you a way out of that temptation. Your great God and king wants you to succeed. He doesn't want you to fail, but he wants you to make it through. And for you to get every victory and every blessing in your life that he has for you. He has faith in you that you're going to make it through and to the other side of victory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. He's faithful through temptation. Let me go on. Deuteronomy 7 and verses 7 through 9. He is faithful through his covenant. Now I want to stop here a minute. God is a covenant God. I want to say this as well. We again are created in his likeness, his character, his attributes. We provide peace to people. We provide love to people. We provide gentleness, kindness to people. These are all characteristics. As I already said, you've all spoke them out. We also have these characteristics of God. So, God is a covenant God. When you come into a marriage, and I want to keep this very clean, God is a God of blood. God is a blood covenant God. So, when his design for humanity is one man and one woman, sorry, that's how he, well, no, I'm not sorry. That's how he designed it. Okay? And there is a reason for that. There is a reason that when a woman remains pure and the man remains pure, that when they come together and take their vows before God and man and for their family, that when they go on their honeymoon to consummate their marriage, there is something that happens to the woman if she has remained herself and remained pure that shows that this coming together and this covenant in marriage between a man and a woman. I hope you're following me because we do have, I want to keep it clean, okay? That's the word, clean. So I hope that you're following what I'm saying. 
So he has designed that and set that for the covenant of marriage. So in Deuteronomy 7 and verses 7 through 9, this is what he is speaking to the children of Israel. He says, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Now, he does not mean least as in degraded. He means least in number. That's what he means, okay? But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generation and who with those who love him and keep his commandments. He is a God of covenant, but he is faithful also through his covenant. So when it appears that God might have broken his promise with us, can I tell you that he hasn't, but 9.99, well, let me just say 10 times, that you have broken your covenant with God. He cannot go against his word. So when it seems like that he's broken his promise, this is when you need to self-evaluate yourself and see if there's something that possibly you could have done that have broken that covenant with God. Okay? And when, you, when he reveals that to you, he will help reveal that to you because he wants you to be reconciled back to him. You pray, you ask his forgiveness, boom, you're back in the covenant with God. That's it, okay? Next, through his ways. God is faithful through his ways. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, it says he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. He is the rock. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. His just and upright is he through his ways. Next, continuing. Through his word, Joshua 21, 45, as Joshua now has taken leadership um, as Moses had died, and now Joshua is now the leader of the children of Israel, he is now beginning to look back on the promises that God had promised to Moses and to the children of Israel. So he comes to this time in his life in, in chapter 21, and it says, not a single one. Of all the good promises the Lord had given the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. That should be our motto today. Everything, every promise in here concerning you, concerning your life, concerning salvation, your inheritance of him coming back to take us home, to be with him. Some will scoff and say, where is your God? For his promises are lacking because he's been, you've been saying he's going to return. When's he going to heal you? When's he going to deliver you? I'm here to tell you if he promised it to you, he will fulfill it. You will see it come accomplished in your life because he cannot Go and deny his own word. He is faithful to what he promised. Hallelujah. Through his promises, continuing. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9. Here it says it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but in long suffering towards us, 
not willing. Why is God, why is Jesus waiting to return? Why is, does it appear that he's allowing suffering on the earth? Doesn't he see what we're going through? Doesn't he see our pain? Doesn't he see you that when you're crying at night, wondering when your family is going to be saved, wondering how much longer that this depression is going to last, wondering how much longer you're going to have to carry your guilt or your shame or your pain or resentment for others? Why are you waiting, God? Where are you? This scripture says it alone. It says that he is not slack concerning his promises in 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you get that? God did not create hell for you. He did not create hell for for humanity. It was for the demons and those fallen angels. But because man has chosen to disobey God, God is a just God, and he cannot go back on his word, and he cannot condone sin. So because we are free will agents and free will beings, we have that free will to choose what lifestyle you will fulfill. But it is not his will that any should perish. Do you get that? Every soul, every person is valuable to God. You are priceless. There is never going to be another one like you. There will never be another one made in your image. There will never one have the same characteristics or, um, or uh, personality as you do. God in his gratefulness as he alone is separate, as there is no other God like him, There will be no other person like you on this earth. That's the greatness of God that he has instilled in humanity. Priceless. You are a priceless possession to God. That should boost what you think of yourself. So when the enemy comes in and says you're nothing, you're priceless. There's no value to God for you. All right? Going on. To believers, to us, this is how he's faithful. First Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I feel that God's calling me into an area. Either it could be in children's ministry, if God's calling you to help Kelly and Terry with children's ministry. He's faithful if he's calling you to do that. I don't know. If I, I don't know. I've never taught children. Let me tell you something. If God's placing that burden on your heart, he's faithful that he will equip you to teach those children his commandments and his teaching. He's faithful to that because of his calling on your life. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 23, to continue to believers. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And the last one, God is faithful in forgiving our sins. Hallelujah. He is faithful in forgiving our sins. In 1 John 1 and verses 8 and 9, It says, if we have confessed, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants a relationship with you. 
God is, again, a covenant God. If you have committed anything that you felt could have broke your covenant or your relationship with him, he is calling for you to come back. All you have to do is just call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, I messed up. I walked away. I broke the promise. I broke the relationship. And God says, but he is faithful to forgive you, and he is faithful to come and to reconcile your relationship again with him. Hallelujah. In closing, I want to make this statement. Man can deny him. Satan can lie about him. Professors can try to explain him away. But he is. His love is still unconditional. His joy unspeakable. His peace passes all understanding. His promises are true. His goodness is like none other. His holiness is divine. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent, perfect in all his ways, just in every judgment. He is alone self-existent. He's merciful. He is the absolute truth, the everlasting Father, the great I Am, and the faithful Creator. That is the God that you serve. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning.